Canadians are on the move. It's called interprovincial migration, and in the past five years, it has taken off. Provinces like Alberta, British Columbia, and Nova Scotia have seen an influx in people moving from neighboring provinces to start a new life, with most interprovincial migrants coming from Ontario. Provinces like Alberta are making sure they market all their province has to offer. I'm standing in front of something that a lot of folks in Toronto or Vancouver don't get to see very often. The yard of a single family home. That's because the price of a detached home in Canada's two biggest cities has simply become out of reach for many families. But you know, the average cost of a detached home here in Edmonton or down in Calgary is about one third the price of what it is in the greater Toronto or greater Vancouver areas. Between July 1st, 2021 and June 30th, 2022, over 14,000 more people came to Nova Scotia from other provinces or territories than left the province itself. And during the height of the pandemic, 9,970 people migrated from Ontario to Nova Scotia between October 20th and March 2021. Alberta also gained over 19,000 people due to interprovincial migration in the third quarter of 2022 alone. So why are people moving? Uh, so why do I think that people are coming here to Nova Scotia? Well, I, I think the um, the rural and the, the urban mix. I think we have a really unique rural and urban um, lifestyle here. So you, you can be in, in a very, like a busy city and then drive 15 minutes along the coast and be in a fishing village. So where, where else do you get that? Today on Context, the great relocation, the migration to Eastern Canada. Welcome to Context, I'm Maggie John. We are overlooking downtown Halifax, the hub of one of the fastest growing provinces in our country, Nova Scotia. It, thousands of people are moving here every single year, and one man even made a TV show about it. Welcome to Fort Nova. Known for his social media handle, Reggie from the Road, thousands have followed the Ontario native for years as he traveled across North America, sharing his adventures. But when the pandemic hit, Reggie, like many of us, couldn't travel. So he made Nova Scotia his home. Why do you think people are moving to Nova Scotia? I think it has a lot to do with just it's affordable. Yeah. Like like quality of life and and what you can get, what your dollar can get you. I have a 1860 farmhouse wow. on 127 acres. It cost me $150,000. No. Yeah, when I say that to people you said from 120 my, how many 127 acres? acres, which is 99 football fields. Wow. And $150,000. Wow. You say, like, that piece of property in Ontario would be worth millions. Yeah. A lot of people are moving uh, to Calgary as well. What do you, what do you think about the, the quality of life that is different in Ontario than it is maybe in Nova Scotia or in a Calgary or mm. other places in the country that people maybe are looking for or seeking for? Yeah, I feel like the, a lot more down-to-earth people. Mm outside of Ontario. Ontario's great, but it feels cold at times. Yeah. Like I love Toronto. I love that it's like a crayon box. You go outside, everybody looks different. Everyone has their own style, yeah. but it's also a little bit cold because it's so many people jammed into one place. 
Okay, but we are meeting you today in Ontario. This is true. So tell us what brought you back home. I had a full out like mental breakdown because going out there, I always joked with people. They were like, oh my God, you're so brave to make that move because yeah. I made it all by myself, not knowing anybody in the province. Yeah. And for two years, I thought that's what I wanted to mm. be alone, to be isolated. And after two years, I broke mm. and I went, I need the people I love, yeah. I need my friends, and it's I can't be away for this long. So I did two years straight in my house, yeah. and it broke me down. It wow. broke me down. I don't know that many people. I don't identify as well with, like, I'm a, I'm a creative person. I work in filmmaking, yeah. and to be in, in Toronto is one thing, to be surrounded by similar people. But being out there in the middle of nowhere, like, they're all fishermen. <laughs> They're all like, you know, these great farm down to earth people, yeah. but it's like, I, I wasn't getting enough of kind of the people I identify with, which was really isolating and difficult for me. So will you go back to Nova Scotia? Is that still your home? That's a great question. Cause so many people from Ontario who I've been talking to and venting to are like, you don't have to go back yeah. there. Like you did it for two years, maybe yeah. that's it. But I did meet a woman who I think is the love of my life oh. from Nova Scotia, which is really sweet. And she and I are figuring out how we can relationship together and figure out how we can homestead together. Yeah. And it was just a lot for me. Yeah. And but I figure if I if when I find my partner, which I have, I figure things will start to kind of fall into place. Mm. Ron Funnel and Kim Dempsey have seen things fall into place for them. Like Reggie, they moved to Nova Scotia in the height of the pandemic. For them, it boiled down to one thing kindness. They now live in a small community called Nikto Falls, about two hours outside of Halifax. We connected over Zoom. Kim and I uh, lived in a city in Ontario, and to be honest, uh, we found that the kindness was just nowhere to be found. We found a lot of people were being very unkind in public, in retail, with each other, with store clerks, other customers. And we just really found that to be so draining. Mm -hmm. And we had come out to Nova Scotia in March. Um, we are very close to an aunt and uncle that uh, live here in Berwick, my auntie Adela and uncle Bill. And as well, uh, I have a friend, a, a lifelong friend, Pam Mingo, who about five or six years ago said, why don't you guys come and move out here? Like mm. look around, and uh, I had come out on business, so that planted the seed for us. Yeah, so I find that interesting. So kindness, just being able to just associate with people and seeing kindness in people, was a reason why you moved. And also, you had mentioned in a previous call that mental health also played a role during COVID. Tell us about that. Absolutely. Uh, there was a specific incident uh, in our home city in Ontario where Kim had gone to the grocery store and was really in the height of COVID trying to na navigate through the store and people were having a really difficult time and someone in the checkout line took it upon himself to yell quite a few obscenities at Kim uh, because she was trying to help people out and Kim came home and said we can't do this anymore. This is so unhealthy. Yeah. You know, when you go out for a shopping excursion, you shouldn't come home in tears after that experience. So, you know, from that point, we immediately went to online grocery ordering. Yes. Yeah. Pick up, you know, in our renovation business, that's not totally avoidable when it comes to retail, you know, lots of trips to the lumber store. And yeah. we experienced the same thing there, too. And, you know, 
we we often would want to step in and say like just be kind just be nicer to that cashier it's not their fault and yeah. you know anytime that we did maggie people just shocked right back at us and we went we're just trying to defuse the situation and you know I, i'm a firm believer that you know every action has a reaction so how we treat yeah. others dictates how they treat others around them so now, you know, I know there are kind people and unkind, unkind people everywhere. And I'm sure that you've probably stumbled across some unkind people in Nova Scotia as well. But what is it about Nova Scotia now living here since last summer that is very different maybe than Ontario? Uh, two things off the top. There's eye contact here uh, and, and people... They take an interest, a genuine interest. And I think that's the first thing you notice. It's like, oh, you're you're talking to me, you're asking me, you're interested. Um, whereas I felt, I think we both felt in Ontario that we just had to go about our business. And you'd never have the chance meetings where you know, meeting new people or new situations, um, even in spite of trying to put ourselves in that position. Yeah, so no it, question. It was, it's just been so easy and welcoming. Um, and uh, as well, I think it's the balance here too between work and life. So have you met other Ontarians who have moved out here? I mean, we're hearing of thousands of people, specifically from Ontario, that are moving to Nova Scotia, but obviously around the country as well. They're calling it interprovincial migration. Have you met others that are also looking for the quality of life that you've talked about? A hundred percent, Maggie. When uh, Kim and I moved here in June, we planned the summer off so that we could get the opportunity to really get to know our backyard, get to know the province. And it seems like so many people we ran into, business owners in particular, yeah. so where are you guys from? Oh, we moved from Niagara Falls three years ago. We bought this business, best decision we ever made. Further down towards Digby, same discussion with uh, another couple. We met a couple, a lovely couple. They've become friends of ours. They own uh, cottages uh, at a place called Smith's Cove. He was a sergeant with Toronto Police for 30 years. His wow. wife was a detective. I can well imagine that they got to that point where they said, okay, it's enough. And he said, we couldn't take it anymore either. So they took retirement and they moved here. And he said, it's the best decision we ever made. Yeah, they're having a blast. We hear that from so many people. And then on our business side, you know, many of our customers, as we, you know, in, introduce ourselves, they'll say, so whereabouts are you guys from in Ontario? We share that and they say, oh, well, we're from Alora or we're from Kitchener-Waterloo. Last question for you, Ron. You said was your home. So you were speaking about Ontario in the past tense. Uh, so will you ever go back to Ontario? To visit. To, to visit, visit. Yeah. regularly. But not to relocate, you know, in, in, in a perfect world, we will see even more of the family relocate here. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ron and Kim, for your time today. Thank you so much. Audra Williams and her husband, Haritha, also moved to Nova Scotia from Ontario. For them, the decision came down to a number of reasons, including the price of a home. They purchased the Port Grocer in Port Medway, Nova Scotia, and are in the midst of renovating the iconic grocery store that has been in the center of the community in the small town for years.
I had lived in Nova Scotia for my 20s and I had only left because I had a hard time finding work and I'd always wanted to come back. And my husband, Haritha, had never been to Nova Scotia, um, you know, but the pandemic was kind of like a reset button for everybody. And all of my work at that point had gone remote and Haritha's work, you know, with the pandemic, we have an alcohol-free cocktail company that had shut down. So it just opened up possibilities. And so we came in September and we had a little kind of like one week of exploring the province. And I told Haritha that he got to choose where we were going to live <laughs> because um, he's a person of color. Like he grew up in cities. Like mm. I felt like I could be fine anywhere, but like, you know, I wanted him to feel a place yeah. was home. So the South Shore really felt like home to him. And um, and this actually, this building was the first real estate listing we saw like a year ago when we decided to move here in the first place. Um, and it just so happened that it was still available um, when it was when we were able to buy a place of our own. And tell us what this building is. So this is the Port Grocer. I think the legal name is the Port Medway Grocer Cafe and Art Space. Okay. Um, and it's a hundred year old building um, that has been um, a clay, a pottery studio. Um, people say that they got like their ears pierced in the kitchen when that was a hair salon. <laughs> Someone's like, oh, you're, um, we live in the apartment upstairs, but I guess that used to be someone's like law firm. Like it's, it's just been this, you know, community building for in this little town of 250 people for about you know, 100 years. And uh -huh. so most recently it was um, Port Grocer. So the front of the building was a grocery store and the back was a cafe. Um, and also like, you know, art space, community gathering spot. And then in the backyard, there's a community garden okay. um, that the whole community comes and, and works at every Saturday, but then also kind of like throughout the week too. It's like someone would just kind of walk in and walk out with some tomatoes and it's just like, wow, yeah, it's, it's heaven. And so it's going to be opening in a couple of weeks. Yep. And so what is the space going to be now? Uh, well, we're hoping to continue like what every, like everyone loved about the grocer. Um, we um, will, you know, bring our own kind of twist to it. And one of the, some of the things we really are hoping to be able to do is like have like a tool lending library and like rent out bikes and, um, you know, just make it um, like a community asset even mm. more than it already was. So in my dream, we're also like printing recipe books for mm. of like local recipes, things like that. And we just really want it to be like a community resource. Yeah. Tell me about the conversation you had with your husband about moving from Toronto a very different pace of life, everything to Nova Scotia and just maybe even the decision making process of saying we're going to pick up everything yeah. and move here. Absolutely. Well, there was a day that he came home from running errands. And at that point, we were renting commercial kitchen space, renting storage space and trying to kind of run this business. Um, and he just is like, this city's trying to kill me. Mm. <laughs> and he's not a dramatic person, yeah. but he just felt like, you know, like Toronto was just becoming like impossible, which was very heartbreaking. And I, and I often say that it's a city that we love that didn't love us back. Mm. Um, not us in particular, just like yeah. everyone we knew and like friends were leaving and like houses around us were selling for millions of dollars. And folks were saying, oh, the bubble's going to break. But it was just like, if this house goes from being $2 million to $1 million, that doesn't help us. Yeah. Like, so we just were kind of like looking at listings and daydreaming. And, and it was just, um, you know, the things that you kind of respond to, I think is like a nice way to kind of like check in with yourself. And so when we saw like this exact listing and all of a sudden it was like, we could do this and we could do that and looking at the town and it's so lovely. And um, so we did make that like preliminary week-long foray and I had no idea how that was going to go because he could get here and be like no thank yeah. you like yeah. everybody's white and there's ticks like I want yeah. no part of this um <laughs> but he just like kind of uncoiled as soon as we got here and he was just like this this feels like home to me mm. and so we um as soon as we had the the chance we kind of jumped on it you know one thing that we've heard a lot from people who have moved from Ontario to Nova Scotia specifically is the kindness mm -hmm. of people out here mm -hmm. as well 
and just the sense of throughout the pandemic that kind of was stripped away hmm. from back home mm -hmm. and so that's something that has really surfaced to the top what does that say about you know just what people are looking for when it comes to quality of life it's not necessarily being close to where you work and the accessibility but mm -hmm. just the the value of community and being around people that you like and that you get along with absolutely and i think that um you know i think that's one thing about it being so small is like it's small enough that you can kind of have an impact and it's small enough mm. that like everyone's kind of you know in, invested and it's also small enough that like there's no anonymity like good or bad yeah and so when we first were looking at you know even when we realized we had gotten the funding to buy the place um we didn't know where we were going to stay kind of you know while we were setting up and then like someone's like oh well sheena across the street like i think she's you know visiting her mom or going kayaking or whatever mm. and so like next thing we know like we've got keys to her place and like we're staying there while wow. we set up here and um it's just the i don't know like i guess there's um you know i guess it's easier to be generous when there isn't the same scarcity mm -hmm. um and so i think that when you are feeling like you know you're in a city that's trying to kill you um it i think it, people can struggle to be generous because there's that you know that the kind of panic but i think you know if people have enough yeah then i think that they're um more able when it, it was just to say they have a lot yeah but it's just that like you know enough to to share like yeah. so being able to not make choices out of like scarcity but just possibility i think is you know a gift of being in a place where um it's survivable yeah no matter what. Coming up, how does a province like Nova Scotia deal with the influx of population as well as the impact on infrastructure and social agencies? We visit one food bank that's giving the gift of dignity through the process. In our fast-paced world, context is everything to the stories that are shaping us. We want to go beyond the headlines in our new podcast to create space for meaningful conversations, to explore where faith intersects with justice, ethics, culture, and society. We'll be joined by newsmakers, peacemakers, and culture shapers. Join us on all podcast platforms or at contextbeyondtheheadlines.com. I spoke to Trish Purdy, a city councillor in Halifax, about the growth she has seen in the province and the cost of inviting the world to your doorstep. We connected in between council meetings over Zoom. The provincial government has spent millions of dollars promoting the province as being a place that is affordable as well. But some have said that it's getting a little harder to find housing. Do you find that because of the influx uh, that Nova Scotia is might not be prepared for the influx of people coming into the province? Yes, that's definitely one aspect of it. I, I think it's a, a comedy of errors actually all happening at once. But yes, so the housing has not kept up with the migration, the immigration here in, in uh, HRM, Nova Scotia. Um, the government has been aggressively promoting our uh, province. They've announced they want to double our population by 2060. So that is a, a big, wow. aggressive goal for the province and so they are really you know no holds barred on, on development they, they want fast and furious so um i was our housing starts for this year are uh we're expecting eight thousand housing starts uh, in nova scotia this year last uh in previous years 
past decade average, it's been uh, 4,300. So we're almost doubling the housing starts. I know our mayor is um, going to be promoting Halifax for skilled workers, trade workers mm-hmm. all over the world and developers are willing to to build housing for the workers like we just we just need to bring people in and let's get this infrastructure built so the, yeah. I, I the excitement is definitely building but what does that mean for those living on the margins and social agencies like the Brunswick City Mission that helps them housed in a local church in downtown Halifax every day they serve many street involved people and those simply struggling to make ends meet by taking a different approach to how a food bank operates. So Matt, we're here at the Brunswick Street Mission Food Bank, and uh, tell us what happens here. Sure, yeah, so we, uh, in June, we started a choice model food bank for folks in Halifax who need uh, some more food security in their lives. Uh, And what the idea behind this is, is to provide food for families, for individuals, for those who are, are unhoused, Uh, and provide them the dignity of choice. Mm. So the idea that we're doing here is folks can walk through the food bank. They have have shopping carts. They push those through with a volunteer. Uh, And depending on the size of your family, you have a number of points to work with. So they're able to go through the food bank, pick out the items that work for their family, work for their for their diets, work for their cultural needs, yeah. and um, and just have the choice as though they're, as though they're walking through a superstore. Now we we're familiar, obviously, with food banks. They're all across mm. our country, but the formula has always been more of a box. So you know, you give a box yeah. to a family, and it has food that is kind of pre-chosen. Mm-hmm. Why why do this? Why make it kind of a shopping experience for people? Uh, one of our one of our mandates, one of our missions, is actually to provide dignity mm. and to ensure dignity in our community. Mm. So it's what we wanted to focus on. We were running the the box program where we we were providing foods to people, mm-hmm. pre hampering them and and giving them out into into the community room there. Um, but we found a lot of foods weren't needed, mm. weren't wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, some families were taking home foods that. They didn't really want, but they they knew it was given to them. Yeah. So the obligation uh, of having to keep yeah, it, and take it. Yeah, yeah. So we really wanted to make sure that they had the the choice to um, select the items that really fit their needs. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about this point system. I think it's mm-hmm. brilliant. So you know, we'll see. Oh, maybe over <laughs> yeah, here, we'll here goods, yeah. two points. So when yeah. I come in, when when one of your friends, clients come mm-hmm. in. Um, how many points do they have? So individuals will get 80 points. Okay. Uh, if you're an unhoused person, you'll get 40 points. Okay. And the reason for that is if you're, if you're housed, you're eligible to come every three weeks. Okay. If you're unhoused, you're eligible to come every week. Okay. So this allows those who are living in tents or temporary shelters um, or, in, or in hotel rooms even, the ability to choose foods that they don't have to cook. Mm. And they're able to come every week to pick up foods that will get them through another week. Okay. Uh, and unfortunately, there's been a huge rise of homelessness in Halifax and so we've seen that in the food bank itself Um, and so the point system works once you have your points you're able to walk through everything is will be tallied up as you go yeah our volunteers have those little those little clickers you know and you count people coming into a concert or something yeah and they just tally up their points um, until they're 
either they meet their limit of the number of points they have yeah. or they're satisfied with the foods that they, they get. Okay. So not everybody will max out on points. Right. Sometimes they're, they're satisfied if they have 80 points with 60. Um, right. They found what they need for the, to get through for, for the next little while. Now you, talk, you just said something. You've seen homelessness rise mm -hmm. in Nova Scotia. Tell me a, bit, a little bit about that because we are seeing this influx of people coming to this province, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean the problems go away, right? Right, right. Yeah, it is, it is an increasing challenge in Halifax, I think mm -hmm. in, in a lot of cities. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a challenge that really is encapsulated by the growing needs that we see in the social services, in the networks that we have in this community with other agencies. Mm -hmm. um, that we have tent cities popping up in different, different areas, mm -hmm. the city's designated areas for tents specifically, and it still continues to grow. Mm -hmm. um, there, is, there is just definite need for a systemic resolution to this yeah. because it's it's not sustainable we're we're heading into winter you and i were talking earlier yeah. how bad the, like it's how cold, cold it is here it's yeah. cold. and it's a wet cold yeah. so even um even i ran into one of our one of our clients at a bus shelter the other day mm. he lives in a tent but he didn't want to be in his tent because it was wet and it, it was humid in his tent mm. so he was in a in a bus shelter just kind of killing time um, there is, it's, it's unsustainable, yeah. um, and that's across Canada, but we we're f definitely feeling it in our organization here. Yeah. And so how do you, I mean, food prices are going up, mm -hmm. which makes it hard for everyone, even if yeah. you're housed or not. Yep. And so how do you run a place like this, a food bank like this, and keep, you know, these shelves stocked mm -hmm. when food prices are going up and, and you're dependent on people's goodwill of donating food as yeah. well as grants and, and so forth. Yeah, it's it's a challenge. Yeah. We, uh, we're fortunate to have a, a large organization, Feed Nova Scotia, in this province that provides food on a weekly basis to us, but it's still, on, it's still not enough for our needs. So we've seen a, about a three times increase in need in number of clients coming to our food banks over last year. Wow. Uh, so that's huge. There's, three times increase of need. Three yeah, times. Three times increase. Wow. Uh, it's, it's, it's huge. It's, it became to the point in the summer where we almost had some fights outside as we opened the doors. Mm. And so it's just... Just people uh, trying to get in. Trying to get in, yeah. right? It's, uh, the need is, the food security need in, in Halifax is huge. Yeah. Um, so we do have we do have foods from Nova, Feed Nova Scotia coming in. Generous donors do provide food. We had some home baked cookies dropped off this mm -hmm. morning. We had some groceries dropped off this morning, and then the rest we're able to supplement through grants, yeah. which uh, which there are some generous grantors out there. They don't last. Yeah. So right right now we're spending about eighteen hundred dollars a week just to supplement what we get from yeah. the donations. And it's not gonna. It's it's not it's not a permanent solution for mm -hmm. us here. Food banks aren't a permanent solution. Yeah. Um, they were designed to sort of get through some difficult economic struggles yeah. back in back years ago, and we're still here. Yeah. So it's um, it's not it's not a need that's going away. We would love to work ourselves out of a, out of or work ourselves out of a job here, yeah. but it's not going to be possible. Let's talk about here. You are mm -hmm. housed in a church. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me about that and how the church has allowed this space to be used for this purpose. Yeah, so this church was built in the uh, 1800s. I'm not sure exactly okay. when, uh, but the idea of what we're doing here has always been part of the church's mandate historically. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're in a united church here since 1860. So wow. it used to be a, something called the Edward Yost Mission. And then through different um, 
transitions, we've moved and migrated to Brunswick Street Missions. Okay. So we are, we're no longer uh, fully affiliated with United Church. Yeah. We're housed, they support us here, they support us financially, um, and we're able to do our work because a lot of because of the historical connection we have to United Church. Yeah. But in order to really meet the needs of the diversity in our community, yeah. we're, we're distinct from the, from the United Church right. itself. Interprovincial migration is a fascinating thing, as we've seen throughout this show. Nova Scotia has seen a positive increase in its population. So has Calgary and so has Vancouver. But with it also comes the pressure on infrastructure and on social agencies. And the question is, can a city, can a province handle it? Let us know what you think of today's topic. Join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. For all of us here, I'm Maggie John. See you next time. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre for Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing context. You can write to Crossroads, PO Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R 4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs. Context beyond the headlines digs deeper into the critical issues of our age and in the process finds hope amidst our 24-7 news cycle. We are so excited about our brand new season and the launch of a brand new podcast as we go beyond the headlines, finding the connection between faith, justice, culture, society, and ethics. Our goal is to reach a broader audience with relevant stories that will provoke conversation. Things are starting to change because the world demanded it. Some of the issues we'll be covering this season, hidden homelessness, vaccine passports, racial injustice, and so much more. It affects every single one of us, no matter where we live. As we move forward with this brand new season and the launch of this brand new podcast, would you consider partnering with Context Financially? It is because of the generosity of viewers like you that we're able to continue to tell the stories that matter. 